Welcome to Candy Conversations. This is Candia. How are you today? I hope you all are well protecting your magic by any means necessary. You know, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but let's get into it. Contrary to what most of us have been taught, it's just not enough to be smart. (laughs) It's just not enough to show up and work hard or create a great product or offer a great service that you think people need. Managing your emotions ultimately determine how far you go in life. And the reality is, while many of us are taught the skill of whatever it is we want to do in our careers, very rarely are we taught how to manage the emotions and feelings that comes with putting that skill into practice. Very rarely are we taught how to manage the emotions and feelings that comes with dealing with different types of people and ultimately reaching that next level of success, whatever that looks like for you. I've learned, one of the biggest lessons learned for me is realizing that emotions have power. Emotions give off energy. What energy are you giving off every day? How are you showing up in the world? Before you ultimately can win in your career and maintain a level of success, you have to win the emotional and mental battle in your mind. So I'm super excited about today's guest on Candid Conversations. If you've ever lovingly stalked someone on Facebook or the Gram or LinkedIn, don't be trying to act like y'all don't lovingly stalk people either. Anywho, if you've ever lovingly stalked someone's post on your favorite social media platform and thought to yourself, this person is like a friend in my head, you are going to enjoy today's conversation between Tico Najan and I. Tico is an educator and corporate trainer specializing in emotional intelligence, aka the people problems as it relates to conflict, uh, breakdown, a breakdown in communication. You know, your emotional intelligence is all about your ability to be aware of and control your emotions. It's about your ability to handle um, your personal relationships and not only recognize how your own emotions may affect someone, but also recognizing the emotions of others, kind of seeing things from a different person's perspective. And what I loved about today's conversation is that Tico and I really put our very own emotions in the hot seat, air quote, hot seat, (laughs) and discussed some of the ways our emotions have probably stopped us from being successful in certain areas of our very own lives. And so for me, emotional intelligence, becoming more self-aware has not only helped me build Uh, more meaningful relationships, but it's also helped me improve my personal family and friends relationships and improve the way I showed up in the world. And so today, our conversation, we explore ways to not only identify how to become more self-aware, but to figure out how to determine how you can improve. How can you make, you know, negative emotions work for you instead of against you? And ultimately, how avoiding your feelings and emotions at times is costing you the life you want. So let me start running my mouth. Y'all listen and let me know what you think. Well, I am super excited about today's guest because at the time that I am recording this podcast, I believe 
the world is taking the greatest test of emotional intelligence. <laughs> yes. And who do I get for the Kansas Conversations podcast? An emotional intelligence expert, of course, to help me get my mind right. And so what I want to know, Tico, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. What I want to know is, you know, typically we don't grow up thinking I want to be an educator who specializes in emotional intelligence. So tell us how you got here. Well, you have, you're you're definitely accurate (laughs) because I did not grow up thinking this. However, I do know that I was, I was to be a teacher. So when I was a child, I would line up all my dolls, cabbage patches, everything, right? And I would talk to them. I would stand in the middle of them. They would circle me. So I don't know if that's because I feel like I'm supposed to be in some kind of a <laughs> large facility at some point, delivering speeches, who knows? Um, maybe stadium style. However, I would talk to my dolls and about anything. And so fast forwarding to my life now, it only makes sense because I'm still a teacher. But my actual education landed me as a school teacher. I taught third grade, fifth grade in algebra for 10 plus years prior to having my daughter. And once I gave birth, um, I always tell the funny story. My husband's a white guy. And once I gave birth, he asked, did I want to stay home? And I told him, you're trying to keep the black man down because I have degrees. And with degrees, we go to work. So that was my response to that. But then once that little girl got here, and it's interesting because she was born in September, so I didn't sign my new contract to school, to the, you know, to the, the school that I was teaching at at the time. Um, I didn't sign my new contract. I was to return after Christmas break, which would have been January. But by then she was only three months. And I'm thinking, I can't leave my baby with just anyone. And because I had the opportunity and was afforded the chance to stay home with her, I extended that stay home till forever. <laughs> and then I delved into my own um, business. Well, actually, I had a business prior to that. That's a whole other story. It was, it was um, a tutorial program for inner city youth. Um, but I decided to be a full-time entrepreneur after that. And so I, I was doing brand strategy with companies for a while, about eight plus years. And I really recognized that the people I was working with, they didn't care about either the people they were leading or if it was an entrepreneur, they were more concern, concerned about the perception of self than self for real. Mm. And I ended up having this break in New York. I wrote about it the other day. I ended up having this break in New York after praying to be bi-coastal with my um, strategy business that I wanted, I, I needed to quit, not wanted to quit. I had to quit. I was standing on a corner and I heard God say clearly, today is the day you have to quit this. And I was like, wait, what? And there's a whole nother story in between there of how the quit had to happen. Like it was direct steps of quitting on that corner. Fast forward. I quit with no plan. Mm. Um, and I said, still, I had to sit still. This was the one time I think I was not allowed, if that makes sense to plan my next steps. I had to quit one thing and then just sit still And I realized that what I really cared about was the human spirit. And I want to be in that space. I don't want to do what comes easy. I want to do what is right and what I was called to do. And so I hopped on a plane some months after that to get my certification in emotional intelligence. And this has been my road ever since. So, you know, for the longest time, 
mm-hmm. people have focused on sort of like the hardcore skill set, right, as a measure of success and the materialistic things as a measure of success. But I think we both could right. agree getting your mind right and internally, right, um, yes. and relationships and things of that sort supersedes all of those. Absolutely. So can you define emotional intelligence for us and just give us some examples of how it would show up in our daily lives? Oh, sure. So um, one of the things that you you mentioned, which is, is, is super key, is that that technical skill that we're hired for, right? Most of the times we're hired for the technical skill. Um, we were, were brought in, we're interviewed, we're considered, we become candidates for positions based on the technical skill. But in order to keep that position that we've, we are granted, it requires another skill and that's emotional intelligence. It requires us to have um, social intelligence as well, which is a part of great part of emotional intelligence. So that's the difference, right? So those, like when you mentioned the hard skills, um, one of the activities I did with a team that I was working with, it was interesting as I asked the leaders in that, at that round table, who, what would be, what would be considered as a great worker, a good leader and nothing, nothing they put, they did use post-its. None of the answers included anything that had to do with the skill set right? The actual work. It had to do with um, communication, a great communicator, honest, open, fair, um, empathetic, uh, kind to their teams, shows up on time. Like, you know, it, it ha- everything had to do with character, if mm. you will. And so that's kind of our proof that that's what's most important. And for it to show up in our daily lives, it's something that we have to practice, I really believe character is a muscle and we have to build it. And so with that, when you think of emotional intelligence and you think of the things that make us emotional, um, the emotions that drive us, there's actually like, you know, the basic ones of fear, anger, happiness, um, sadness. Those are our core emotions, but they show up all the time. You don't control them showing up. Like we really don't, right? So <laughs> I share with you an incident of me watching something on the news prior to our car. Right. <laughs> and interestingly enough, I didn't control the idea that the first emotion that rose up was anger. Mm-hmm. What I do get to do is choose the response to that though. So when you ask, you know, uh, how does it, how do we use it in our everyday lives or how does it present itself in our everyday lives? It happens. Now, here's, here's, if you don't mind, I would love to share the- Go ahead, go ahead, I'm all in. Okay, so feelings and emotions are two different things, okay? And usually we use them interchangeably, but they're really not. Mm -hmm. Um, Feelings are our learned reactions to situations or circumstances. So the way we feel about poverty is directly tied to what we've learned about poverty. The way we feel about culture and race is directly tied to what we've learned about it. Um, the way we feel about kindness, charity, any of those actions is based on how we, what we've learned to feel about it. So if you grew up in a home that promoted caring for other people, then you're more likely to feel a certain way when you see certain things happening to a group maybe of people who are just... Um, that are underprivileged or those who are less served in the communities, you're going to feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. The emotion is the biological reaction we have to the circumstances. And 
the proof in that is, I mean, there's data and science to prove it, but the simplest way for me to give you the proof is if I'm fearful of a dog and you're fearful of a dog and uh, another woman from a different culture is afraid of dogs, Mm -hmm. we're all going to respond the same way biologically. Like our physical response, our heart's going to beat faster. We're going to get hot. You're going to start sweating. So our emotions are these natural um, responses, but based off of what we've learned to feel about certain things. So what makes you happy may not make me happy. But when we're happy, you're going to know that there's some common thread between the happiness because we're going to respond similarly. Our body's reaction will respond similarly. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Okay, good. (laughs) What I'm thinking, because I'm thinking about my feelings. I'm putting myself in different situations. Please, yes, exactly that I'm really big on is unlearning. Like, Candia, you got to unlearn. So really, I guess a lot of us, and let me just pick on me. A lot of it is unlearning how to not respond to some of my feelings. Yes. Yes. Um, So here's the deal. You can always respond. You have to choose the response that's going to better serve the outcome you want. Mm. Because usually when we say, I don't want to respond to feelings, and since you say we're going to pick on you, I'm going I'm to use myself and you. We're gonna, we just hope that whoever else is listening can apply it to themselves, okay? Right, usually right. When we say we don't want to respond to feelings, what we're really saying is, I don't want to feel the feeling. Right. And that gets us in trouble. And so when we don't allow our space to feel the feeling, then we hang ourselves out to dry because it's only human to feel things. Right. I mean, think about the opposite of a person who never feels. They're considered a sociopath, right? right. Uh, I mean, so you have to feel. You have, have to, to learn to feel and then choose the response that's going to be best served to that emotion and that feeling that shows up. Right. That's so very true. I mean, even when I think, you know, you and I have similar stories in terms of working in corporate and then changing yes. and not really having a plan. That was yes. Um, but I do realize, so I have some affirmations that I read to myself every day and sometimes they're questions. And so one of the questions I have is how much time are you spending avoiding rejection? Because on the other side of that rejection, on the other side of, of that, 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 you know, the inactions that I'm taking to avoid rejection is really my success. Really, when I think about that, because I'm not putting myself out there to like email a certain person or pitch a a certain person because I don't want to feel that rejection. Oh, I'm so guilty. (laughs) I almost feel like you're like, yeah, I'm going to say this is me, but Tico, I heard something about you and so I'm going to use it because I just had this conversation with one of my dearest girlfriends the other day about the idea. I like warm leads. And I like being connected by people because I feel like that vouching for me makes me safe. Right. Whereas when you really think about it, I think that vouching is my way of avoiding the rejection that could come from me doing a cold call or my manager doing a cold call or pitch, you know? So I'm a, I, I, I totally get you. Like sometimes that idea of rejection. But if you think about it, rejection is such a huge thing depending on how you grew up. So for myself, um, my mom was a foster kid. So that tells you about that side of family, right? I don't have biological family 
uh, past my mother on that side other than my brother. And I had two brothers. One has passed away. And then my dad is nowhere around. Mm. So if I were to really sit with it, I've, I've processed rejection in a different way. Mm. Right. And, and almost, I mean, to be honest, in a generational way, it's, it's been a generational thing of what feels like rejection. Now we know people make decisions based off of what they know, right? right? Or don't know. But for myself, it boils down to someone rejected their role. Right. And so that protection of rejection has now, that's funny, protection of rejection. That protection of rejection <laughs> has now um, shown up in the way we respond. Right. Or not even respond in the way we even take action, right? Right. Let alone respond <laughs> to something. Right. So I totally feel you on that rejection piece. Yeah, I, I, I just had to get real on the feelings that I was avoiding. Mm-hmm. And when I think about some of the moves that I want to make, the reason why I haven't made them is really because of the feelings that I've been avoiding. Yes. Um, and the emotions, right? Because and the emotions, yeah. The emotion, usually, like I said, we have those core emotions. So ordinarily, or in most circumstances, under every higher level emotion, I'll say it that way. So let's treat rejection as a higher level emotion. Under every higher level emotion is a core emotion. Mm. So that core emotion would be probably fear, right. Uh, right. sadness, because there's four core emotions. Some people say six, which would be include shock. And I forgot the other one right offhand. But if we're just thinking about happiness, sadness, fear, and anger as the four core emotions, under all those higher level emotions, you know, anger, disgust, and any of those kind of things, under it is one of those basic emotions. So under rejection is probably fear. Mm. That's very true. So once, because I know being self-aware is a huge Mm -hmm part of yes. it. Yes. Um, in your experiences, how do you go? What are some things that I guess, or like simple things, which is hard. We can <laughs> do to, like I said, get your mind right. What are some simple things that we could, or we should be exploring yes. to improve our emotional intelligence or increase it? Okay, so you you hit you you and again you, you're what you you know this stuff because self awareness is actually the first place to start self perception. Um, it's how do I see myself? How do I see myself showing up in the places I wish to be? How do I see myself showing up in the places I don't want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there's that side too, right? We're going to find ourselves in circumstances we're not necessarily uh, actually hoping for. Right. We're not desiring of a lot of circumstances. Take, take in mind right now what's happening with COVID-19. This is not a circumstance anyone wanted to find themselves in. So step one would be, who am I? Mm-hmm. And who, who I am is only based off of how I see myself. Mm. because how I see myself is how I'm going to show up. So even when I see the motivational pieces, that's, you know, like the, the, the content that says you are enough, you only are if you believe it. Mm. And if you don't believe it, then you're not going to show up as such. Mm. And then no one should have to treat you 
in any way other than how you've presented yourself. Right. Like no one's responsible for doing anything more than what you've given them. Right. So self-perception would be the very first place to start. And in simpler terms, being aware of who you are to even think of how you're going to perceive yourself. So who am I is the first question you should really ask yourself. Mm. And then the second part of that, because it's so important that we don't just have a healthy perception of self, but that we have an aware perception of others. Mm. So emotional intelligence is based on two core, two core theories, if you are two, two premises, I should say. So there's two married premises. It's the way you perceive yourself and understand your own emotions. And then the way you perceive others and are responsive or, I guess, accepting of their emotions. Right. It's so funny. Emotional intelligence. Listen, I'm thinking of some videos I watched before our call of people being upset because they had to wait for their food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm seeing some videos of people talking about they don't want to wear no mask. And I'm thinking as you're talking about... They in the store fighting. They in the store fighting. And I'm thinking as you're talking us through, you know, being aware of how you are affecting possibly others. And I'm like, it's a lot of low EQ. Yes. People running around town right now. Absolutely. And you know what? And not just how we're affecting others, but what are others experiencing? Because Mm. if you remember, I said emotions are these things that flow through all of us. Right. So you know what happiness is. You know what sadness is. You know what grief looks like. You know what loss looks like. Um, so if you really were to think about it, it's, it's, we know what the other person may be feeling. Right. Like, I think there's so much more depth to that, um, to the treat others, the golden rule, right? (laughs) Like treat others the way you want to be treated. Right. But it's consider others the way you want to be considered, consider, consider others as yourself. Right. So like if, 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 I'm ex- if I'm experiencing an ex- exchange with someone, let's say they get my order wrong, right? <laughs> I, could, I could live in just my emotion alone, which is frustration um, because I don't have time. My feelings about people who, you know, don't take time to do their job well, right? Because I have my own feelings around that. Right. But if I stop for two seconds and say, what could this person be experiencing? I might recognize that at this moment, that person is feeling shame for the way that I'm either approaching them or shame because they got the, they did the job wrong. They didn't do the job right. Right. Or didn't um, excel. Once you know what shame feels like, that should show me down, slow me down to say, Hey, the last thing I want to do is make someone experience or be responsible for someone else experiencing shame. Right. Does that make sense? So the emotional intelligence is, what am I feeling and what could this other person be feeling? What, what emotion am I experiencing and what emotion could the other person be experiencing? Right. I love that. I mean, it's just, it really is just that simple. I think it is. Um, one of the things that I try to remind myself is, Candia, embrace the pause. Embrace the yes. pause. Yes. I could get those thoughts, you know, into what that other person may be feeling and kind of calm my inner ego down a bit. Yes. That's such a good way to put it, inner ego and the pause. You're right, because we all have time. I mean, if you have time to cuss somebody out because they got your order wrong, you got time to pause. Right. That's right? Very- 
you ain't even think about that. That's true. Because so, most of the time people are like, well, who has the time to always pause? Usually the waste of time we spend on the reaction that's not serving us is the time we could be using to pause and choose a better reaction. Right. You know, when I think about this whole uh topic that I've fallen in love with as well of emotional intelligence. I would say that for me, it's really helped me become a better version of myself Uh, and just studying how my mind works and, you know, how people may feel and things like that. In your experience, what do you think we are kind of like overlooking or getting wrong about this whole because emotional intelligence is pretty popular right now okay oh oh god oh god is it okay it's pretty popular so when you think about i mean you go you speak a lot about it i I, you know i lovingly stalk you on the gram because you be dropping (laughs) a few gems child um what do you believe we're getting wrong or overlooking about eq I think what we're really getting wrong or overlooking is, well, one, let me say it this way. I think we're treating EQ as, a, as if it's an extension of who we are when it really is who we are. Like emotions, emotions are us, you know, right. humans are emotional mm. humans. So I think the idea that we're treating it like it's something that's, um, that's, that's so far out there. That, that that's mystical in a lot of ways. I, b- I believe that about a lot of topics that are hot buttons right now. Um, pivoting, I think is the same thing. Peace is one of those things that I think that we, we treat it as this, if it's this, if it's, if it's something outside of us, when it's right. really our genetic makeup to have emotions and feelings. So, and EQ is just really, I mean, it sounds good. I like it. It gets right. me paid. Right. <laughs> but it's really just thinking, how do I show up? What kind of human am I? Right. Because if you think about it, like, and I don't know if you would agree with this, because you have children. Yes, I do. I, I, I believe that EQ should be taught in schools very early on. I'm so disgusted that it's not. I am too. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. that it should be taught very early on. Honestly, you know, it's, I've, EQ just kind of fell on my lap. I would say maybe over the last five, six years. Yes, it became like a hot button and I work with corporate clients too. And they started to talk about, you know, emotional intelligence and EQ. And I'm like, well, where was this stuff with me helping self, you know, self-awareness and self-care and all these things. Where was that stuff years ago? Shouldn't I have been doing this years ago? Yes. And you're so right. That self-care thing. Oh, Jesus. I have a post. I just have to put it on there because I'm certain I'm going to lose about, about a hundred good followers. Let's talk about it. Because I truly believe that we've, we've decided to fix something we've never wanted to address. So I feel like self-care has become one of those comforting pillows that we warm up to and we cozy up to, to make us feel good. But here's the deal. Self-care shouldn't be a pause um, and a break away from crazy. Mm. It should be the actual time we use to fix crazy. Even if it's a bath, it should be not like, oh, let me get this bath in because I got to return to crazy. It should be, I'm getting this time in so I could reflect and really work on what's crazy. Right. So the self-care movement, I appreciate it, but I don't appreciate the idea that it's being so disconnected from actually fixing us. Right. 
it's it's being treated like let's pause from us and then we'll go back to us when I'm done with my candles and wusa. Right. And that and that to me, which goes back to your other question, like what are we missing? We're we're just missing the element of humanity that we are to exist in because that's who we are. Right. Right. You know what's so funny? I've always admired uh other countries because I think that they get the power of pause, right? So it was like the first time I went to Europe and which was years ago. Well, it was Mm -hmm. specifically in Italy and you know, they Mm -hmm. take like long breaks, like four hour lunch breaks. Yes. Um, Sitting in a restaurant, they don't really harass you (laughs) right after like when you're eating, it's not like a rush to come make you pay the bill and things yeah. like that. It's like, okay, eating is conversation time. It's just not Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And so, although this is a very unfortunate time that we're in right now, we're exposed. Mm-hmm. It's like we are fully exposed now for treating self-care as something that's disconnected. That, yes. Or something that's outside. You're right. Like something that's out, but then we yeah, go like it's, crazy. It's, yeah, it's outside and we should go get it as opposed to it being a part of us. You're absolutely right. Because guess what's not working right now? Self-care. No. But had we had we learned the lessons or had it, and, and I don't blame any person because our our society is not has not been set up this way. Right. Uh, but had we been um, inundated with the lessons around actually being well. And again, we're talking about, I said again, but usually I preface my uh, interviews and my conversations with, we're talking about well-minded people, right? Like literally healthy-minded people, because of course there are people who suffer um, because of, you know, a mental break somewhere, chemical imbalance. Mm -hmm. But for us who are mentally well and mentally stable, if we were taught what that looks like to protect it and to grow it and to nurture it and to guard it outside of some trauma, then we would be good. Right. Usually we don't think about the wellness piece, self-care or therapy or, you know what I mean? Counseling, any of those things until we're close to the break. Right. And then the other side of that is either we're close to the break or now we're going to treat it like it's just this trend thing. Because I see, I see, this might get me in trouble, but I see a lot of people showing up to therapy now because it's more trendy, but it's almost like showing up to church. You write your notes on Sunday and you do nothing with them. (laughs) And then the next Sunday you back at church and you got a new, new page of notes. But you're doing nothing with them. And you're doing, you're right. And so I feel like a lot of times therapy has turned into that for a lot of people. Right. Because it's just something to say that I'm doing, it's almost again like the self-care. I do these things to be better, but better at what? Right. Like most people can't even articulate what they're no good at, like what you genuinely suck at. And I'm talking about as as a human being, like, are you impatient? Like most of us aren't comfortable accepting that something about us needs attention. Right. Right. You know, it's so, I think a huge part of it too is that people have to get to the point when they are really ready to hear how they are truly showing up versus how they think they're showing up. 
Yes, yes, yes. And that's a huge part of emotional intelligence. So there is actually a full on diagram that, you know, we won't go in, but there's a right. full on diagram of emotional for the, the, especially the method I teach, which is from the bar one method. But a part of that is being able to accountability, being able to hear about yourself. Mm. Like how, how often are you, are you, um, have you permitted or have you, uh, have you put something in place where it allows someone to speak to you about you. Right. Right. Because it, it does no good to tell yourself what the issue is to be the only voice of this is my issue and this is what I need to fix. Right. How about you ask the people closest to you? Because <laughs> right. you might be missing it. Right. Or even accept it from a stranger. I know my therapist told me something. I was just like rambling on. First of all, uh-huh. I didn't even want to go to therapy that day. Okay, let's be clear. Because really? <laughs> you're like, I already know this ain't going to be what I want to hear. Right. So I just was like, but I didn't have anything to talk about. Well, I thought I didn't have anything to talk about. And so I yes. sit there and, I'm, and she's just like letting me talk. And then she got my mind all the way together and was like, why do you keep saying that? I've heard you mention that. Do you understand that when you say that, you have like this imaginary measuring stick. And I was like, I ain't come here for that. But she was absolutely right. You're like, you're sitting there talking about lady, I'm aware. And I'm telling you, now you're going to tell me about my awareness. She got me together. But it's so funny because you're right. I mean, of course you, you should be able to hear this from people closest to you. But, you know, for me, I've realized my therapist who didn't know me last year, has been able to point out some things that I have said probably a gazillion times over the last few years. And I not, I didn't really realize that it was working against me. Yes. Those become our mantras. Like, and I truly believe we have all these mantras in our heads that we've, we've started as children or either to protect the child we once were, Mm. we once was. So, so, If you grew up in an experience with a not so loving family, you create these mantras, these stories in your head to protect that child. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same with if you've gone through, say, divorce, you protect the woman who was divorced or the man who was divorced. Anything that has a traumatic experience, I think we already we always go into a protection mode of it. Right. And rightfully so. The problem is. Sometimes you need an army to help you protect it. And that's where therapists come in. You would never go to a medical doctor and say, hey, I've been having this pain here right. and right. it's this. Right. You would let them tell you right. what the this is, right? But when it comes to our emotional health and our, our being just good people, get, being just trying to show up as a good human, we rarely depend on the advice of anyone right right if we were to be honest some of us go to therapy just so we don't have to hear it from a friend <laughs> boom right i didn't but even think the, about the that friend, the friend probably knows best the, the same girlfriend who's been riding with you forever she probably could have told you hey when i you you constantly say this or i noticed that this is your fallback position Mm. whenever you're faced with this. Like right now with people who are trying to figure out their pivot or their change, their shift. Um, I get hot just saying the word pivot because it's such a weird word to me right now. But um, I have (laughs) that friend could probably say, you know what? 
every time you're faced with a big decision, you respond like this. Mm. But we don't want to hear from friends. So we'll go tell a therapist, we'll sit with a therapist and have to replay our entire life. Right. For them to figure it out. And I'm all for therapy. I am all for therapy. But what I am saying is it's when we talk about that being aware Mm -hmm. and and self-awareness, include the people who know you best. And here's, here's a hard truth. If you don't trust them enough to speak into your life, then they shouldn't be there in the first place. You done dropped the mic, closed the Bible, (laughs) and walked off the stage. (laughs) It's just true, though. Like, I don't want friends that I don't trust to tell me about myself because that means I am not even safe to fully show up. Right. When I hear people say, well, I'm talking about your, because you, you know, there's elements of intimacy, right? I get oh, that. Sure. But when I hear about people talk about, well, you know, my best friend, but we don't talk about finances or she's my best friend, but we don't talk about our relationships. Wait, huh? In my mind, I'm thinking, well, then no, she's not that because, right. or you need a new that or a new definition for that right? because you should feel safe to be able to show up as whole to someone in your life outside of your therapist. Mm, very true. Very true. So one of the things that I love about Tico is right before we started this call, y'all, she was telling me she watched something on the news and then she had to find, I said, are you, how are you? You said, I'm going to find my wellness. And I love that you said that because it was, you know, it drove home something that I believe that you have to choose your energy. And yes. so how are you juggling, you know, you're married, you have children, and then there's the news, <laughs> right? And you forgot something. There's also my mama. See, my mama lives with us too because she does all the cooking. So I always say that I'm the breath for everyone. Like my husband, my two children, and my mom, we're all here. Right. And, and so there's, there's a juggling act of my mom who, of course, she's 65, but she, she thinks she should be able to be allowed out. And you would think I'm the one told her you're not going anywhere. We're not going to go there today because I got one too, but yeah. Yeah, see, the government told me to tell you <laughs> that you're not going anywhere. So yeah, so I'm juggling all those too. So right. <laughs> just, just telling that. But you say, how do I choose the wellness? Yeah. Um, okay, so, so, so here's, here's, a, here's, here's how this works. When it comes to the emotions, like we talked about, we have to be very mindful. And I've been posting this a lot lately because it's been coming up and I really believe if I had one message to give, it would be, Emotions in and of themselves are not actions. They're not behaviors. They're indicators that we have to choose a behavior. Mm. So if I'm disappointed, saddened by the news, um, in shock because you're telling me in Los Angeles we have to stay in the house until now, August. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was saying, come on, prayers for you. You know, I have to respond. I have to choose a response to that shock. But I'm very much responsible for feeling what comes up with it. I'm very much responsible for feeling all the feels of how this makes me, um, you know, anxious and, and throws off my plans and having to figure out how to help my children grieve a summer missed. And we don't miss summers, you know? And so... Right. My daughter was supposed to graduate next week from eighth grade. And how do I navigate that? You know, my son is uh, extremely advanced in school, but he's a social learner. 
Mm-hmm. So having to choose the behaviors. And I'm going to tell you this, when I say I choose my wellness, I don't, I, I don't choose it based on the idea of it being perfect. I choose mm-hmm. it based on the idea of it being real. Mm. And when I choose it based on the idea of being real, then I don't have to act irrationally. Like there's right. no need to fire off a, 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 an ugly email to the principal as if the, right. the principal right. broke it. Right. 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 <laughs> but I do get to tell my kids, Hey, you know what? We're not touching schoolwork for two days. I don't care what they've said right. because we right. need to digest this. Right. Because mommy has to figure out what schedule works for us now, homeschooling and still having to run a business and tend to everyone's needs. So just being able to choose wellness simply is to me just choosing the behavior Mm -hmm. um, to address the emotion. But the emotion is not the behavior. Right. Right. I love that. If we could get that, Kadia, we we would be so much better. We would not avoid all the feelings, you know, like that conversation we were having before. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't even avoid the feelings and the emotions. We wouldn't tell people, oh, d- try to separate your emotions from your work. We wouldn't tell people, don't be so emotional. Or you're, wearing your, you're wearing your feelings on your sleeves. We would let all those crazy things go if right. we accepted that emotion is just an indicator that there's a behavior to be chosen. Right. You know, it's so funny because for the most part of my career or even in business, we were told, you know, you keep emotions out of the workplace or you keep, you don't mix business and emotions and all those sorts of things. And I believe we're paying for it now. Yeah, we're paying for it. And if you pay attention to the people, the entrepreneurs who are making the biggest money, um, so like the Elon Musk and all those people of the world, right? Mm -hmm. They, they're, they live out of their emotions. That's true. It's just the corporations that have a bunch of people whose name's not tied to the actual name on the building Mm -hmm. that push that theory through, I believe. Mm. But the actual owners, they're making emotional. I think one of the most beautiful responses I saw during this time was from the, I think, the CEO of the Marriott Mm. Hotels. He decided to do a video recording And it was so heartfelt. Now, I don't know if he had a team work on the speech. Who knows? But he gave his heart during this time. And I think you're right. Like, it's showing up as as that was the wrong way to do it in not allowing emotions to be a part. Because as soon as we lost, as soon as this broke, if you will, our norm was straight broken, right? right? Like, our norm has been cracked into pieces. Right. As soon as the norm was shattered, everybody's trying to figure out the emotional toll, hence emotional intelligence being the biggest thing. How do I, you know, manage a team from afar? How do I uh, keep my team well during this time? How how do I nurture working moms from home who have children to homeschool? Now we're sitting here trying to figure out how do we take care of people? Right, right. This, you dropped so many gems one of the gems that's sticking out to me it's like i need to put this as any as one of my affirmation cards the yes. emotion is not the behavior it's not yep it's like not. that is just it's over and over and over again in my head and i think particularly now when you watch the news or you know you have family things going on you're trying to juggle business and certain emotions do trigger s- certain actions that sometimes mm-hmm. i feel like i have to act on them but I, mm-hmm. essentially, I don't. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You don't so, have to act on them. You act towards them. Mm. Mm. So you're not acting. The emotion is not 
going to be with you, your action. You're going to act towards the emotion. Right. Right. I absolutely love it. <laughs> this has been a pleasure. Most importantly, how can people continue to lovingly stalk you like I do? <laughs> what hey, do they can do exactly up? what you do. Um, Instagram is my playground for our everyday people like okay. you and I. Um, I do do corporate training. So if anyone works for a company and they're interested in doing an intro, then they can do that. Everything is under Tiko Nejon, T-I-E-K-O-N-E-J-O-N. That's my first name and middle name. Um, and so my email is info at TikoNajon.com. They can email, they can follow on Instagram. Let's connect on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and let's get it. <laughs> okay, I love it. You know, one, one more question. I'm going back. Please. Yes. How did you find, because when I initially reached out to you, I said, I need to have you on my podcast. Number one, I don't see too many women who look like us leading in emotional intelligence. And so I just want you to share some advice for the woman Mm -hmm. who wants to step into a role where she doesn't see many other women who look like her using their voice in that space what advice would you give her because you are a true force to be to be reckoned with and i thank you very much you showing up for us in this space thank you so much thanks for having me and i remember we had that conversation and i'm going to share with you offline an idea i have based on the conversation we had for women for people like us of color women like us of color um not even being recognized in the professional space of development right And um, so what I would say to any woman who wants to show up is know truly what your gifting is. Mm -hmm. So as as I've done shifts in my career, like from corporate to actually starting my own company, now it's been 12 years to shifting into just emotional intelligence and professional development. The one thing that has always stood at the core is me teaching. Mm. Um, that's just who I am. Uh, my, my gifting is, and, and then I don't, you know, my faith is Christianity. And of course I know everyone is different and that's mm. fine. But what, in my, in my practice of faith, I believe there's spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And one of mine is the gift of wisdom and exhortation. Mm. And for me, I just think when you know what you're actually supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. the avenue you take to do it is so open. Mm. So when people say, you know, stay in your own lane, yeah, stay in your lane, but you could drive whatever vehicle you want. Mm. If you want to bike it, you want to get in the luxury car, you want to take the bus. I don't care what you do. If you're in your lane, do it. So my advice would be really hone in on what's that thing that you find yourself doing. Like I said, from lining my dolls up as a child, what's the thing, you know, that's your space and then work from there and then start looking for places that need you to show up. Right. Because the question is, is where where should I show up? And so once I said still, when I had that whole break and I said still for I think it was it was. I, oh, oh, oh. And I will say this. I came off social media for what was supposed to be 30 days. I needed mm-hmm. to cut out all distraction. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up off for like 45 days. And in that time, I only spent time with my mind outside of my family mm-hmm. to just see what is it I wanted to do. So if you don't mind, I'll drop this last little tidbit. No, I don't mind at all. Okay, when we think about this idea of a pivot, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I um, actually I'm doing I'm doing a class soon, but I, I expressed in my post that I remember joining a Zumba class after my son was born. And uh, I would stand to the back because I've never been the coordination girl. Like I knew I wasn't supposed to be a cheerleader because I couldn't do coordinated steps. I could bust a move, but right. it's going to be my move to the beat. Right. And so when I was doing this Zumba class. I decided to stand to the back, but here's the problem with that. I don't know if I got the results I could have gotten. I did lose some weight because I stayed. I was like, if you just move to the music, but I don't know if her moves were strategic to get a certain result. And I liken that to um, pivoting. Some people are just moving to a beat. They're not sitting still long enough to plan. Mm. So, Anyone who's looking to transition into anything, take time, as you say, for the pause. And I, there's four Ps to my whole pivot thing. One day we'll mm-hmm. talk about that. But take time to actually pause so you can think of your plan, not just move to the beat. Because while you might see some results, right. you won't see your greatest results. I and then that. the last thing I would say, show up as who you are. Show up and as who you it. are. I yeah. love it. Well, that's a great way to end the second time. Yes. <laughs> Well, second Ms. <laughs> the second time. Well, Miss Tico, again, you know I can't say enough about how much I appreciate you for jumping on this podcast today. Thank you so very much. I will see you around on the gram. Yes, you will. You take care. We'll okay. talk soon. Okay. okay. Bye. You are.